Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's Words of Wisdom. When we talk about blessings, whether it's feeling blessed ourselves or blessing others, there are many different definitions. According to the dictionary, blessing can be, quote, a special favor, mercy, or benefit, such as the blessings of liberty. It can be invoking God's favor on someone, such as when a parent blesses a child's relationship or marriage. It can be the prayer we say before before meals, or it can simply just be a good wish for someone else. Where we can get tripped up, though, is when we start thinking about blessings as one of these other uh, definitions that was in the dictionary. A favor or gift bestowed by God, thereby bringing happiness. And that sounds wonderful, right? But... When the ego gets a hold of that idea in particular, that blessings are favors from God that make us happy, it starts to dictate what we consider can make us happy. Wealth, power, things of the world, these are the things that the ego wants when blessing is brought up. What if, though? What if? The things that bless us the most, that make us eternally happy, not just happy for a moment, have nothing to do with this world. What if true blessing is something we already possess? Because within each of us is joy and peace and love and kindness and compassion. What if jubilance, we turn the ego's whole idea of blessing into our superpower to bless ourselves and those around us, not with things, not even with our good wishes, thoughts and prayers, whatever. But what if we became a channel for God to just bless everyone we meet, bless everyone we read about, bless everyone we think about, or even those we don't consciously think about? What if we were dedicated to being that kind of blessing in the world? Well, I think that would make the whole world want to say, oh, yeah. yeah. Hear these wise and holy words. From A Course in Miracles, chapter 27. Be not afraid of blessing, for the one who blesses you loves all the world and leaves nothing within the world that could be feared. But if you shrink from blessing, will the world indeed seem fearful? For you have withheld its peace and comfort, leaving it to die. Would not a world so bitterly bereft be looked on as a condemnation by the one who could have saved it, but step back because he was afraid of being healed? The eyes of all the dying bring reproach, and suffering whispers, what is there to fear? Consider well its question. It is asked of you on your behalf. A dying world asks only that you rest an instant from attack upon yourself, that it be healed. Come to the holy instant and be healed, for nothing that is there received is left behind on your returning to the world. And being blessed, you will bring blessing. Life is given you to give the dying world, and suffering eyes no longer will accuse, but shine in thanks to you who blessing gave. 
The holy instant's radiance will light your eyes and give them sight to see beyond all suffering and see Christ's face instead. Healing replaces suffering. Who looks on one cannot perceive the other, for they cannot both be there. And what you see, the world will witness, and will witness too. From author Tara Singh's The Joseph Plan of A Course in Miracles for the Lean Years. The life of service offers us the possibility to live by holy relationship in a distracted world that knows not what to do. It is an invitation to step out of meaningless existence and walk with God. With God. The life of service offers the sanity of a living gratefulness. And finally, from the Jesus story, Luke 24, lines 30 to 31. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. I recently saw a video of talk show host James Corden. He was interviewing comedian Ellen DeGeneres, and Corden, who is British, was telling Ellen how much he loved the South because the people in the southern U.S. are so nice. And so Corden relates this story to Ellen, who, by the way, was born and raised in Louisiana, right? You know, she, she, knows, she knows the South. And he was telling her about how he was in a southern city and he was having trouble parallel parking his car. And this woman approached his car. He had the window down. You know, he was trying to parallel park. And this woman approached the car, and she says, Honey, are you okay? And he says, Yeah, I'm just having a little trouble parking. And he said that the woman just kind of shook her head and touched his arm and said, Well, well bless your heart. <laughs> and Corden proceeded to gush to Ellen about how nice this woman was <laughs> to bless his heart as he was struggling to, to park, and Ellen chuckled for a moment. You can just see her face, right? You can just see her, how she's looking at James Corden. Before she breaks the news to him, you know, that's actually an insult. <laughs> Corden was aghast. I mean, it's this whole interview, he's just like, what? Really? And he was crestfallen to learn that instead of actually offering a true blessing, this woman had been condescending to him. Linguist Joan Hall, the editor of the Dictionary of American Regional English, says that the earliest usage of bless your heart as an insult appeared in print in Henry Fielding's 1732 play, The Miser. In that play, a butler says of a new mistress who has bought beer for the domestic staff, bless her heart, good lady, I wish she had a better bridegroom. Just as our southern use of bless your heart illustrates, we often use the language of blessing to subtly, or sometimes overtly, curse others. A Course in Miracles in the Song of Prayer supplement introduces this idea called forgiveness to destroy, which is like our bless your heart curse. Blessing curse, curse blessing. We often use the act of blessing as a tool to feel superior because we see someone who is obviously lacking in something they need, and we give it to them because we are some, we're their better in some way, because we see them as lacking. And so they are in need of our, our blessing. Of course, it's not the only way we stray from the true meaning of blessing. We tend to confuse blessings with things of this world. People say all the time that they're blessed. 
not so much because they feel a sense of peace and joy that arises naturally from within, but because they have a lot of stuff, right? So we often feel blessed when we look around and see what we possess, whether it's a house, car, high-paying job, a relationship. We feel blessed when we climb the social or the corporate or political ladder. We feel blessed when we get recognition from others or have power over others. Whatever material gain we feel we have, we see it as a blessing, mainly because we perceive that we have more than someone else. We're so blessed. This misuse of blessing is often at the heart of both political and spiritual divisions. In both worlds, the poor in material things become objects of pity. Politicians see them as lazy or too stupid to know how to game the political, social, or business systems of the world to get themselves ahead. Spiritual people tend to use those who are not materially blessed as a cautionary tale. Obviously, those in poverty are not blessed or they've committed some manner of sin because they're remaining in that lowly state, or they just don't have enough faith. Or perhaps they haven't given enough money to the church to show God they're worthy of all those rich, earthly blessings. Right? Give me your money, then you'll be blessed. You'll be broke, but you'll be blessed. What a strange idea of blessings we have. Seeing them as something we got to earn through spiritual, political, or business achievement, and then seeing it as something that others have to earn from us, right? But that's not strange for the ego, because that's how it sees blessings, as something you earn, and something you can either give or withhold if you feel the other person is or is not deserving of your blessing. For those not deserving, we simply say, bless your heart. And we count ourselves as blessed that we are not them. Nobody's experienced that, right? (laughs) Here's the thing, though. We are them. They're us. Unity is our reality. And because it is our reality, we must learn to truly bless and identify those areas where we are using blessing to actually condemn or condescend or or insult people. All minds are joined, and we can choose to create on either the level of the ego or the level of the spirit. In the ego world, the thoughts we share with each other, they're insane. They are. They're crazy. We share thoughts of attack and hatred and separation. We share our fearful thoughts that we are somehow different from others based on these outward things that we think we perceive, whether it's our race or our gender or our sexual orientation, class, political affiliation, religious beliefs. Those shared insane thoughts grow to produce this insane world of suffering and despair. There are moments and pockets of joy in this world, but they just never last. So here's the key then. We must learn to see the world differently. To see the capital R reality beyond the insanity of this little r reality of the ego. We must come to an understanding that on the fundamental level of spirit, we are blessed already. And if we are blessed then so is everybody else. We must look out onto the world and see it as blessed and lovely and joyous even. (sighs) But how can we do that? When all we perceive with these human eyeballs is suffering. We do it by realizing life is but a dream, as the song says. 
And as a dream, we have the power to remake it, to shift what's happening out here by first shifting what's happening within ourselves. If we live in a world of suffering and despair within, that's all we project onto the world. But God asks us to see it differently, not to deny the suffering of the world, but to see it as a call for us to become a channel of blessing, to accept our role as the light of the world so we can alleviate and heal the suffering within us and around us. And that sounds namby-pamby and woo-woo. Oh, I'm just supposed to think good thoughts. It's deeper than that. This is important work. This is the very reason that we are here. The fate of the entire world rests on each of us developing the ability to truly bless ourselves and others. And we do that when we realize the true blessing that we already possess is within. Because we are created out of pure love. That's what we are. Enlightenment isn't something that you work hard to attain. It's just a recognition of the truth about ourselves, that we are made from blessing to be a blessing. We're made to extend the only true idea of love into the world. And that means you've got to give up all your grievances, all your forms of attack. We have to stop saying bless your heart as a curse and instead infuse that phrase with the true meaning of blessing, which is simply the act of giving or extending God's love into the world in everything we say, everything we do, everything we think, everything we feel, everything we believe. Jubilance, love has not overcome fear in this world because we do not yet believe that it has the power to do so. And that power grows not by wishing for it, but by teaching it, by sharing it, by learning it ourselves and applying it to everyone, everyone, everyone one that we see, think about, or hear about. This is why blessing is ultimately about being of service in the world. And this too, that's an idea that frightens us. We believe that being of service means that we're going to sacrifice a lot. I have to go out and be there for people, and that's going to be hard. Yeah, and if you take your ego with you in it, yeah, it will be. We think we've got to forsake our needs for others. We talk about being burned out by service. We give and we give and nobody ever says thank you. And, uh, that's because we think service equals some sort of selflessness that the ego equates with physical exhaustion. No one is asked to sacrifice anything to be a blessing to others. The ego is right that service requires selflessness, but the self that we are asked to turn away from is the ego itself. That's why it convinces us that we're going to have to sacrifice something because it knows it must go. (laughs) It must be the thing we let go. And so it's going to fight us tooth and nail. When, however, we bless and serve without our ego and lead with the higher divine self, exhaustion isn't possible because we are channeling infinite, bottomless, tireless joy and love and peace. It doesn't exhaust the body if you get the ego out of it. Instead, it brings us more power, more satisfaction, more joy to spread into the world. And how is that possible? 
Well, when you give up your oughts and your shoulds, such as I ought to be serving, I should be a blessing, and lean into the truth about yourself, that eternity within you that has limitless service and blessings to give, then you find you effortlessly serve and you bless in every moment of your life. When you realize that you are love, you are blessing, you are service, all that will emerge from your life extends love and blessing and it provides service to everyone and anyone you meet. So how do we step into that egoic selflessness, into that higher divine selffulness that's required to be a blessing in this world? Well, of course, in Miracle says, first you've got to realize you are a blessing. <laughs> you are originally blessed. There is no original sin. Blessing is your state of being. And if we come, we, give, <laughs> we come to realize that by giving up all thoughts of attack. And now I hear you. You're saying, well, preacher, I don't go around attacking people, and that's a good thing. Thank you. No one wants to be in jail for assault. So let's keep not doing that. <laughs> but we are always attacking. If you ever, if you ever, if you have, if anyone in this room has an ego, you're always attacking. Because you're attacking in your heart and in your mind on a regular basis. Whenever we criticize someone for even the smallest thing, we are attacking them. Whenever we think that someone is wrong and must change their ways and align with our beliefs and actions because they're stupid if they don't, we attack them. Whenever we look out onto this world and we perceive another human being as being different from us, either as better than us or not as worthy as, as we are, we attack. All of that is attack. And we do it all the time. We judge people on how they look, how they drive, how they stand in the aisle at the grocery store. That's a personal one. <laughs> how they speak. How they vote. How they treat others. At any moment of judgment of another that does not perceive them as wholly innocent, of inestimable worth, and good on the level of their eternal spirit, that's an attack. Likewise, any moment that we turn that judgment inward and we judge ourselves, that's an attack. Not just on ourselves, but on the whole world, since there's only one spirit here having all these disparate experiences. Giving up attack immediately results in blessings. As a Course tells us, a dying world asks only that you rest an instant from attack upon yourself, that it be healed. Come to the holy instant. The holy instant is this moment, right now. Come to this moment and be healed. For nothing that is there, no, wait a minute, come to this moment, yeah. For nothing that is there received is left behind on your returning to the world and being blessed, you will bring a blessing. Jubilance, the holy instant, it's any moment you relinquish attack because that's the moment you become a blessing and you truly serve the world. And what you receive in that holy moment isn't left there, you bring it back into the world. As a Course says, life is given you to give the dying world, and suffering eyes no longer will accuse but shine in thanks to you who blessings gave. The holy instant's radiance will light your eyes and give them sight to see beyond all suffering and see Christ's face instead. Healing replaces suffering. Who looks on one cannot perceive the other, for they cannot both be there. If you look at someone and you see an ego 
And then you have to remind yourself that they're the Christ. You're trying to see both. (laughs) Just look and see who they truly are. And what you see, the world will witness and will witness too. So if you can see the love, you can see other people as purely love, that's what gets poured into the world. So this is how we heal ourselves in the world jubilance by recognizing our own original blessing, giving up any penchant to judge, attack, and fear others, and allow our mere presence in the world to serve as a healing blessing. Author Tara Singh writes, the life of service offers us the possibility to live by holy relationship in a distracted world that knows not what to do. It is an invitation to step out of meaningless existence and walk with God. The life of service offers the sanity of a living gratefulness. Those disciples who left Jerusalem after Jesus' crucifixion, they were walking to Emmaus <laughs> and they found themselves thrust into this meaningless existence. Their teacher was gone. But on that journey, they were unaware that they were already walking with God. They met a stranger on the way, and he told them about this Jesus guy. They told him about Jesus and what had happened. And the stranger, of course, was Jesus. But the story goes they didn't recognize him until later when they all sat down to supper together and Jesus blessed and broke the bread. In short, Jesus performed an act of service to them. And in that act, their eyes were open, and they realized the holy was among them. And that jubilance is what it means to bless. Something as simple, because people go, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sign up and volunteer and spend all my time? Service is not hard. Because the ego wants to make it hard. The ego's like, you've got to go sign up and spend, you know, 30 30 hours in, you know, serving people and blah, blah, blah. Because the ego wants you to accomplish service. (laughs) He was all about that. But it can be simple. Serving. Open a door for a stranger. Smile at them. Appreciate them in some way. Look deeper for that eternal innocence beyond the bodily appearance. And you will see the holy in every present moment. Because that's what the holy instant is. It's the recognition of the holy that is always in our midst just waiting for us to develop the eyes to see it. If we can understand blessing in this way, as an act of service meant to reveal the infinite, eternal, holy love that exists in each moment, no matter what the circumstances are before us, then we can see that there is no fear or sacrifice involved in this kind of blessing. It's simply the act of always choosing the most loving thing to do, that brings about a genuine act of healing and service to someone else in any given moment. And it takes practice, of course. But it's an invitation to return to the pure innocence of somebody like James Corden, who had no idea that the lady who he felt so blessed by was really trying to curse him. I feel some sympathy for Corden. Because before Ellen broke the news to him, he had basked in that innocent belief that the woman really meant to bless him. So I say we reclaim our innocent James Corden in this moment and every moment to see others as only out to bless us. 
and be blessed by us. This is known as assuming positive intent, but a course calls it a positive use of denial. So instead of perceiving, oh, bless your heart, as a curse, let's deny the ego's intent to curse and take it as the holy intends it, as a way to enter the holy instant of love that transforms all intended insults into blessing. So let's try this on. Oh, good, we've got a good crowd here today. So let's do this. Turn to someone nearby and say, hang on, I gotta, let, me, let, me give, let me get final instructions. I want you to say to the person near you, bless your heart, but I want you to mean it. Get your southern out and put your holy in and look each other in the eye and say, bless your heart. Come on, let's do it. Bless your heart. It works really well if you look each other in the eye and you say, bless your heart. Anthony just did it with me over here. And Anthony said, I receive that. So let's do that. Look at each other. Bless your heart. You say it, and then they say it, and then just say, I receive that. Feel how, feel how good that feels. When you say, bless your heart. I receive that. And there are going to be people who don't receive that. But that's okay. That's okay. I invite you this week, use that phrase, bless your heart, with everyone you meet. Maybe don't say it out loud because we still are in the South. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't want you getting fist fights or anything. <laughs> but as you see people really reform, let's reclaim the beauty of that. James Corden felt blessed when someone said bless your heart. He had no idea what, how it was intended. And so as you go out this week, I invite you, Bless the heart of everyone you see. Bless the heart of everyone you think about. Bless the heart of everyone you see on the internet. Bless the heart of everyone on Facebook, everyone on Twitter. Everyone, everyone. It's a tall order. And you're not going to do it right. And sometimes you're going to bless with gritted teeth. But do it anyway. Because the more you do it, it becomes a habit. And then you're truly blessing. This is the way we come into the holy instant. This is the way we are healed of our own habits and penchants for attack and grievance. And in that healing, we come back to the world as healers. And in being blessed, then we can truly bless the hearts of everyone. And that makes the whole world say, Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, Oh yeah.